Table Wednesday here on the Left Coast Show. I got Westbrook. I got Ingber. How are you guys this beautiful Wednesday afternoon? I'm great. Doing well? This is my favorite. I mean, every time we have David here. Let's get this out of the way. (laughs) I feel like you have a crush on Ingber. I kind of do. I just feel like he's smart. Not a crush. I wouldn't say a crush. He always leads with that. He's I have a, smart. He's, I, I'll he's fully hilarious. I got a full friendship crush on Brian Westbrook. Yeah, I just want to. He thinks in a whole different way than most people. You think right. in a in a devious, crazy way. <laughs> this is a smart man right here. Yeah, Ingber said to me earlier. He's like, I just like being friends with Brian. And I was like, it's a good thing. <laughs> this is great. It's been working out well. All right. So, anything you want to say to him? Yeah, I invited you to poker for tomorrow night, I know, and I, I didn't know. get a text I'm, back. I'm going to be out of town. Ah, Let's go to a whole other country. Yeah. Well, there's a poker tournament every week. We're going to play at one I would point. Like to, we should play poker here one day. Sure. On the show. A little three-handed? Yes. It would be interesting if we did, like, hands, and then there was, like, a punishment or a question or a result afterwards. That's exactly what we should do. All right. Exactly. We'll next, figure it out. Next Wednesday. Uh, when we left the podcast last time, the only coaching news that had happened was um, I'm trying to think what the hires were. We we got off the air. Must have been Rivera, right? Was Rivera to Washington, and then almost immediately afterwards, Matt Rule went yeah. to Carolina mm-hmm. for seven years, sixty four million dollars, and Dave Tepper, the owner, paid Baylor another six million dollars to let him out. It's like a transfer fee. Seventy million dollars for this coach. Soon after that, Giants fans are like, oh, no, what's happening? Joe Judge, the special teams coordinator and wide receivers coach, so after spending eight years in New England, he is now the head coach of the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the only coaching opening we have in the NFL is the Cleveland Browns. But we didn't get to talk about these things. I know you've been doing first things first. What, what are your opinions on Matt Rule for that amount of money? And Dave Tepper, I'm just going to add this to it, said – Quote, I think Matt Rule can come in here and build an organization for the next 30, 40 years. He can build it. He can be, quote, our Chuck Knoll. Wow. That's absurd. That's lofty. Like, there are coaches on the Mount Rushmore, and Chuck Knoll is one of them, winning four Super Bowls in a row with the Pittsburgh Steelers. My, my question, what, what is your initial take? And then... I'll go after. First of all, that 30, 40 year, that's that's kind of crazy. But so that's an exaggeration, but it also kind of shows you his thought process. And he gave him a seven year contract. So that that's part of it. But so I know Matt Rule when he was at Temple. Right. So I also know what the Temple program was before Matt Rule got there. And they were terrible. Mm -hmm. Temple was a homecoming game for every team they played. Yes. At Villanova, we wanted to play Temple because we (laughs) knew we could definitely beat them. (laughs) Right. And so. I, I saw him build that program to a place where recruits wanted to come, where guys in that program, there was pride, there was a culture, there was character in that program, and he would be on the radio with us every week. And he was like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go challenge Notre Dame. We're going to go challenge these Penn State, whoever these schools are, and recruits feed into that. And so, to me, he knows how to build a program. Then I saw it. So you see it at Temple, you're like, oh, okay, that's at Temple. Then you saw what he did at Baylor. Because there were questions when he went, just like there always is, okay, you're going from Temple to Baylor. Can you do that again? That's right. And he exceeded those actions. Well, you, you know what Baylor was at. They were in, you know, they had sexual misconduct situations. Yeah, so, and they were just terrible. But he built that program, built it up. And so there is a value in someone that can build on that level. The one thing, difference between NFL and college is that you go out and you pick your players. And every year you can go restock that 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 your cupboard and say, I'm going to get better players every single year. And then some guys leave, right? And so differently in the NFL is that 
you know, some of these guys in the NFL, they want to hear that rah-rah crap. It ain't about trying to get me to play. It's about how to get the best out of me as a player. When you talk to him as a man, did he seem like somebody that could communicate to anybody? Yeah. Because there are some people like the Urban Meyer discussion. I never believed it because I was like, oh, no, he talks to kids like Nick Saban, like you work for me. But Matt Rule seems to be like a guy that's more collaborative. He seems, you know, I would put it in this sense. He seems like a cool coach. But you have to respect him. So he's cool. He's going to know the lingo. He's going to know the dance moves. Yeah. He's going to know the songs. But if you don't respect him, you cross the line, it's going to be a problem. And that's what – it's. listen, you're dealing with young guys here. This is a young man's league. So 25, let's say 22 to 30. That's what he's going to be dealing with, especially with that football team. And with that seven-year contract, it said we're trying to build. Tepper said this at, in his conference after yeah. his press conference after Ron Rivera got fired. He said, we're trying to build something. And we know it's going to be a long process. Yes. We're trying to build something. So he's not worried about winning right now. That's what he also said with that seven-year contract. And the Chuck Noll comparison carries weight because Tepper was a minority owner for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's right. And the thing is, is that's why if I was a coach of all the openings – the one that was the sexiest to me was probably Carolina. And not because of Christian McCaffrey, because you got to be really, you got to be honest. If you're looking at a roster, those guys could all be gone in two, three That's years. Right. It doesn't, the, the personnel really doesn't matter. But when you have an owner that after he let go of Ron Rivera said, we're diving face first into analytics, I'm going to spend tens of millions of dollars to get us the best facilities, and you came from the Steelers. The Steelers are an organization that through all the ups and downs of Mike Tomlin, He's one of the longest tenure coaches in the That's NFL. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you're a coach, you want money, you want fo- like what's a foundation and buildings and technology, and you want security. Yes, he is going to see every year of this contract because Dave Tepper, coming from the Pittsburgh Steelers, that's what he's used to. I don't know enough about Matt Rule, but I know the analytic nerds that I follow on Twitter, and I say that very glowingly, the Steven Ruizes, the Brett Colmers and all that, have looked at how it's not a system. It wasn't one system in Temple that he brought to Baylor. He ran one thing at Temple and then ran a different thing at Baylor, and that's what I look for, versatility. That's what Belichick does, what the best coaches do. I think, yeah, the seven years should give you confidence as a fan, both uh, you know, a Carolina fan, and hope that your team does something similar with your GM or your coach. When you offer someone seven years, you're saying, don't take any shortcuts in the way you build this roster. That's right. You're saying that if you need to trade for a 2022 pick, you're going to be here in 2022 to see that come to fruition. Right. And there's a lot of GMs and a lot of coaches that I feel like are thinking they're going to get fired every year, and they're like, well, I might as well just empty the cupboard and try to get the asset right now even if it's not the necessarily greatest trade for us. And I feel like that always happens when the GM and the coach are on different timelines. That's yes. why I look at the Giants and I see them. They still have Gettleman. They bring in Joe Judge. Here's the deal. New York is going to be patient with Joe Judge. Relatively, it's New York. But Gettleman, his feet are already on the fire. Right. He's already being called out. I mean, he did hire Shermer, but when you look at San Francisco, they bring in John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan together, six-year plan. They're not questioning each other. Right. They're going at it together. That's why I thought it was smart for Cleveland to fire John Dorsey. A little bit shocking, but John Dorsey was going to have his feet on the fire, and the coach would be, you need them on the same, they need to be together. And I completely see what you're saying. What do you think the right contract length is if you hire a new coach? Is it five years? Is that enough? Or do you think seven well, see, is right? If, if you give him five years, then you're maybe you're thinking, hey, it's year two, things aren't working out. And 
Yeah, that's already too short. It's, it's probably time to move on, right? If you say seven, seven is such a long number. You're like, oh, he's just going to be here four or five, six years. But it gives the coach that, that sense of security that you're talking about to say, hey, man, you know, we're not talking about building for this year. Yeah. We're trying to build that foundation that you mentioned so that we can have longevity, so we can win for years to come, not just be a flash in the pan. That's pain. why Dolphins fans are actually pretty pleased with this year, right? They're like, we got our coach. Right. We've got a whole war chest of uh, of picks coming up. Yep. We've our got GM some, has made good moves. We've showed some flashes. We got Devontae Parker locked up. You know, like they've got some things. You know what's funny? I just realized everyone's like falling over themselves to talk about the length of Matt Rule's contract when John Gruden signed a 10 year deal last year after being away from football for and a decade. Mayock, Mayock didn't get a 10 year deal. So that's like eventually, because that's what happens. Two, three years in, John Gruden's going to go, I'm just not getting the right players. And you create a scapegoat that can be fired That's in right. Mike Mayock. Right. But when you go in together with a seven year deal, may, we're locked at the hip. You know, it's, a lot of times the GMs are like, yeah, because they're, they're in the owner's ear like, hey, man, yes, I don't know if he's working out with this guy. Bill Walsh in his book had this passage that I loved, which was the coaches always get fucked. The coaches are in the facilities watching film until 2 a.m. in the morning. And you know what's happening? The GM, the owner and the player personnel guy are all out to dinner. That's right. And the GM is blaming the coaches for not getting his stuff done. And the owner's complaining and the coach is not there to defend himself. It's always those other guys. And if you're on different contracts, you can kind of throw somebody under the bus. That's why I was surprised the Jets didn't fire Adam Gase this year. I thought Joe Douglas, GM of the Jets, who they had to give him a six-year contract to get him out of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. I thought he'd won his own guy. But there is a power dynamic as the guy on the six-year deal keep Adam Gase for another year because if I fire him next year, right. I've I've extended, oh, it wasn't me for two years. As soon as you put the the certain contractual terms in front of the GM versus the coach, you now know who has the upper hand at that table. Yes. When you're at the war table and it's like, hey, the team, you know, the team looked at me in the eye and said, I'm here for eight years. They looked at you and said, you're here for three years. Right. Then what I say goes. Because so those guys should come in together and have the same length. They I should. So. I, it kind of makes sense. I've never seen that though with a because GM. they have to work hand in hand together too. Though man. every time a coach gets hired, and then like let's say like you hire Chip Kelly and he brings in a bunch of Oregon guys, and you're like, okay, he's just bringing in his guys, right? right? I've never seen that with a coach and a GM where they're like t- they're like they come in as a package deal. That was the Niners, and that's what a lot of the teams were trying to do this year because of how well it went with the Niners. But like, there's been a lot of teams that have fucked it up. Arizona fucked it up. The Jets fucked it up. Washington. Washington getting rid of their GM, but they've come out and said, we might wait to hire one next year, mm, yeah. which doesn't make sense. <laughs> the Texans. Nick Casario. It's Bill O'Brien by himself right now. But has where there, are his checks and balances? Has there ever been a chance where you try to bring in Nick Casario to run your operations and bring in Josh McDaniels at the same time to be your coach? And it's like they've worked together. They've got a system together. They've got a common language together. I believe the Bills, Sean McDermott and, Bill, and uh, Bean, they both came in together. As I mentioned a second ago, uh, the, the Niners are like the glowing standard of that right now in a weird way Doug Peterson Howie Roseman kind of got reintroduced similar timelines yeah um I don't know that I kind of feel like Doug he, he doesn't even want to hand in that like hey you just guys handle that and I'll just coach right Cleveland is doing it uh the Dolphins just did it like you said and, and again 
The other notion of the storylines this week is we have three new hirings. None of them are minority rule. None of them are minorities. The Rooney rule seems like it's being sidestepped. It's a discussion that's very interesting because in Miami, they have one of only four minority coaches in the NFL and the only minority GM in the NFL. Hmm. So it, it is interesting that there's still a chance that we could see somebody like Eric Bieniemy in Cleveland, yeah. but it, it, it does raise another flag that somebody like Joe Judge – who I have heard some good things about, and I have to imagine Bill Belichick cares the most about special teams out of any head coach in the NFL, and this guy's worked with him for eight years, and there are rumors that he could be the OC replacement if McDaniels left, that he is probably a good coaching candidate, but his resume is so much shorter than someone like Eric Bieniemy or somebody like Marvin Lewis or whatever that it does raise the discussion. I'm curious, what is your perspective? Well, it's, it's tough because I, I see guys like Matt Nagy, I see guys like Doug Peterson who were in the Andy Reid tree. Same spot where the enemy is. Exact same spot. And and they were high on the list of Doug probably wasn't, but Nagy was. High on the list of potential head coach candidates. Eric Bienemy, in my opinion, has been mentioned in the conversation, not because he's high on the list, but because he's black and he can help fulfill right. the Rooney Real, the Rooney Rule type of deal. And it's just so the other parts of that is. That part's disappointing. The other part is there is a lack of black coordinators in this league. Oh, that's the big one. You know, and most black coaches are pushed towards receiver position coach, running back position coach, defensive line, line, even a D-back coach, right? And those are are good positions, but they're not in decision-making situations. D coordinator, a little bit. But offensive side, where a lot of people say it's a thinking game. Right. They're not getting those opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so, and listen, I, I don't know that it's outward racism, but I can honestly say that it sure seems like the old thought process that we used to think. Well, the black quarterback, they, they're not smart enough to be able to run an offense. Right. we got to move them to a receiver. They're too athletic. And now we see in the league right now, top, the top four quarterbacks are all black, right? Mm-hmm. And so may, I'm, I'm hoping that that dynamic is shifting, that people can start to say, you know what, maybe African-Americans are smarter. But it, it's the truth. But we are smart enough to be able to hold these higher-up type of positions, decision-making type of positions. What's interesting is people make it seem like it's an NFL problem. It's a world problem. I saw Jim Trotter say it's an owner problem because that's what people need to realize about the NFL. It is not a collection of 32 teams. It is 32 independent companies co-aligned in a coalition together. That didn't make sense. But they they are aligned together in a coalition. And so it's really 32 owners, all of whom are white, all of whom are picking the guy that they feel comfortable being around. Mm-hmm. I saw Robert Klumko had a tweet that said he's expecting or he's heard from a lot of minority coaches throughout the NFL that they might be going to college because there's more of a chance down there for them. I mean, the fact that David Shaw is mysteriously no longer on list anymore, and you look at Stanford, Stanford's offense is a tight end play action offense, which is what everybody in the NFL is running right now. I. I think it's interesting, too, when we look at the recent hiring of the Cowboys. That's the one that we did the podcast yeah. over. Um, what's his name again? McCarthy. McCarthy. McCarthy's going down there. He hopes to retain Kellen Moore, so he's not going to be calling the plays. He's clearly not doing defense. He's just going to be a head coach, which means he's going to be in the leader of men category, overseeing things. Yelling at refs from the sidelines. Exactly. That's what he does. <laughs> I talked to a number of players— 
And I'm going to say this so that people, because I saw this in comments, one of them was not Travis Kelsey, other people on this team, about Eric Bieniemy. Because they said, look, if I'm going to stand for this guy, I want to know what the players really think about him. And the few things that kept popping up, when he stands in front of the room, everybody loves and adores and respects him. Nobody says anything. Mm -hmm. He does not call plays on Sundays, but he is heavily involved in coming up with the play scheme and all the play dynamics. He's one of the most prepared coaches every single week. And all, I talked to three guys, all three guys I talked to said, we, we, he should be a head coach. Like, we feel like we're cheating because we have another head coach on our staff. I saw Chris Long tweeted out, Do Staley should get a chance. If we're going to get to this point where we have these head coaches that are not play calling, they're leader of men, the Harbaugh's, the McCarthy's, There's a bunch of the Tomlin's, yeah. they're leaders of men's, but they are not responsible for play calling. Belichick. Same thing. Yeah, but anything he's calling the defense. Well, he called the defense. Some, you know, some point yeah. this His year he did. son yeah. is yeah. calling the yeah. defense. Yeah. Thank point. you very much, Steve Belichick. But, Shout out. But really what it is is there are men out there that are great leaders of men that are not getting the chance because these individual owners are not connecting with him. Jerry Jones had Mike McCarthy sleep over his house. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he wanted to feel a connection. Dave Tepper made Matt Rule not leave his house. He wanted to feel a connection with them. And here's the truth. Old white men are not going to have as good of a connection with younger black men as younger white men. And it's mainly because they don't share a lot of the same backgrounds. It's just people seem to hire more closer aligned with them. But here's the connection part they're missing. It's not about the connection between the owner and the coach. It's about a connection between the coach and the players. This is a league that is predominantly African-American. I just, there is an issue. I have no way on how to fix it. And I think it's too easy to go with, I'm just hiring the best guy. The way in which it's done now, where we're flying guys in independently and you're sleeping over their house and there's no checks and balances, the system is fucked up. And I don't have a solution for it. I just... I, I think it's clearly something's happening where I'm worried because we don't have any uh, black offensive coordinators or not enough of the NFL lot, no. or defensive coordinators that that's typically the pipeline and it's starting there. So and, and I'm glad you brought up Deuce because I think this is a great case study. And so the offensive coordinator position for the Eagles was wide open, right? And Deuce was interviewed. Mike Groh was interviewed. Who By the way, up, Deuce is the assistant head coach of the team. This is this is the point actually. So he wasn't at that point. He was not. He was just a running back coach. Mm-hmm. However, I know that a lot of the players, just the same way with Eric being enemy, they respect Deuce. They listen to Deuce. And there are times where Doug, being the player coach, he needed that bad guy, the guy that was going to get to put the fire underneath the players, and that was Deuce. And so obviously they hired Mike Grow. Deuce was disappointed, and Doug Peterson said, "Oh, hey, well you're not going to be the offensive coordinator, but we'll give you." This little, this little, you know, associate this, this, head coach. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll allow you to be the associate head coach, and we'll make you happy for a little bit. I believe Bannemi has the same title with. Kansas Absolutely, City. and so those things, those consolation prizes, have been given to a lot of black coaches instead of that that one position that we covered because that's the the next step towards being a head coach. Right. And unfortunately, we have not been presented with a lot of those opportunities. It's unfair. And I want to show you this. And, and our good friend Nick Wright is always yeah. screaming. Uh, Jim Caldwell, and, and it's true. Yeah, Matt Patricia, last two years, 
six and ten and eighteen, three and twelve, two thousand nineteen. Three twelve yeah. yeah. and one. Yeah, three twelve and one. I'm sorry. Three twelve and one. That's Arizona. right. So his years in Detroit, same team. First year, eleven and five. Second year, seven and nine. The last two years, nine and seven. Gets fired. And he got he got screwed in the playoffs. Got too. screwed in the playoffs. You know, so there's no rhyme or reason. You can't explain that because you had two terribly losing seasons for Matt Patricia. And maybe the owner is saying, hey, we needed to stick with them. Maybe they changed their mind. Maybe she figured something else out. But at the same time, come on. I, I saw a very interesting um, real sports where they interviewed Bruce Arians about black coaches in the NFL. Bruce Arians. His offensive coordinator is Byron Leftwich. Yes. Black. His defensive coordinator is the Raheem for- Morse. No, the former coach of the New York Jets, Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles, that's who right. Who is black. And he Great also defense. hired two women. As, and his- he has two women on his staff. Yeah. And he said it was on purpose. I need to show what these people are capable of. Mm-hmm. We're seeing this in the NBA too with Popovich and Becky Hammond. Yep. It, it takes special white people to be the advocate to break this down because you can say all of the qualifications, but someone needs to be the pipeline and it takes people like Bruce Arians to show, look what they can do. By the way, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even with their quarterback throwing 30 interceptions this year, had the number one offense in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And that was a black offensive coordinator. And I didn't hear one whisper about Byron Leftwich anywhere this year. For me, it's just, all these coaches, I saw a, a news alert today, Browns want to hire their coach by Sunday. They're getting it done so quickly that we're not able to even have this discussion, and instead we're reacting to these hires instead of talking about it, but it's it's an issue. If you're the Browns and you're used to having someone revolving door through your team every year or two, you're like, we got to start his offseason right now as opposed to thinking, who's our guy for the next decade? And in which case, an extra month or two of searching is well worth it yes. on, the, on, the, on the far end of that. But Masai Ujiri, the, the GM of the Raptors, he was, he was asked, like, how do we fix this? Because there are a lot of white coaches in the NBA, which is maybe even more predominantly black than the, uh, yes. the NFL. Um, he was asked, how do we fix this? And he, his, his number one thing about running a front office of the Raptors, he said, hire women. Yeah. That was his number one suggestion because he said, you have to get people around you that think differently from you. And if you're in a league that's all men and you hire women, and you're the only front office that has people thinking differently. You're going to yes. zag when everyone else is zigging and you're going to think differently and you're going to find new angles and you're going to find inefficiencies and you're going to, you know, Billy bean the hell out of it. Absolutely. Leslie Frazier, another name. Yes. Defensive coordinator for the Bills. Yeah. Great defense. I mean, you, you can't name a bunch of guys on that defense. Right. But they continue to play well. Uh, a guy that can motivate men, you know, be a leader of men. That's what yes. you want. But that's why, with all this being said, we started with Tepper and Matt Rule. That is one thing that I I have believed in Tepper from the beginning because the way he's approaching everything. But the fact that with his first hire, he's saying – we're doing this for seven years, mm-hmm. and we're going to do something that we hope lasts three decades. To me, that's the only way that you successfully own in the league. It, it can't be what the Haslam's are doing in Cleveland, where we're trying to rotate and we're going to find the fix. The, the Browns are really the team that really need to offer the six- or seven-year contract. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm a head coach, I'm going, you have hired and fired. Chudzinski was there for a year. Yeah, You now have two coaches in – within the Hugh Jackson span that we're only there for one year. And, and it's, I go back to that one book that Ryan holiday wrote, um, which is all about you do things to last for a century. 
You do not do things to be really pop or like have one good season. And a lot of these NFL teams, they're just chasing their tail when really it's look at what the Patriots have done. Look at what the Steelers are doing. Like the Steelers were able to make a run at a playoff without their quarterback or their two best wide receivers because they had consistency throughout their organization to create a backup plan for all these other people. And I just, they're just chasing their tail. Mm -hmm. Another big storyline that you and I will be following always is Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy B. Well, Teddy Bridgewater recently said, quote, it will take a special situation to pry me from New Orleans, which is what I said to you in the beginning. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. Time out. What do you think he was going to say? But what that means to me is that it's going to take a lot of money to pry me away from New Orleans. So smart when you come, what was our line? Make sure you come correct. Twenty three and a half. Twenty three and a half. Good. Are you sure? Yeah, because you said twenty, and I think That's Brian said right. twenty five or twenty seven, and you We're met in the middle. We're gonna have to check this. It was twenty three and a half. Absolutely sure. Because he definitely said twenty seven. You know what it was? Because no, I no, talked no, to the stick to football guys I too, and Connor was uh, said that Matt Matt Miller said something in the range of eighteen to twenty three, which was right in line with what you were saying about twenty million a year. So we took the high end. I'm, I'm I need to double check this. Go for it. I'm pretty sure it was twenty three and a half. But with that being said, if you're going to pick him up, you got to pay him more than that. This is what's interesting. About you have Teddy. to. This is what's interesting about Teddy. Teddy's a free agent. Drew Brees is a free agent. The two, the three teams that actually need a quarterback in the NFL right now all have picks in the top six, mm-hmm. and there's three quarterbacks that could go in the top six in Burrow, Tua Tungavailoa, and um, the kid from Herbert. Oregon. Thank you, Justin Herbert. And it's where does where does Teddy go? Because if you if you go to a team with a rookie quarterback, they're not going to pay you that twenty seven, right? And if if Drew Brees re-signs with the Saints, they're not going to pay him twenty seven, yeah. and he's not going to be the most coveted free agent because Tom Brady's going to be out there. What? You would take Teddy Bridgewater over Tom Brady? Did you see what Tom Brady did this year? I mean, come on. Let, let, let's. I just want you to say the sentence. I, I said the sentence before. You didn't believe me. Oh, don't say the Patriots aren't going to win. They're going to win a no, championship. No, 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 no. Blah, blah, I blah. I the sentence. You're, they're going to curse <laughs> you. you. Rather... They're going to curse you if you say that. I want Those you... were your words. I want you and your to hand say... movement, too. Curse you. They're going to do that. I want you to say that if you were a team looking for a quarterback, you would sign Teddy Bridgewater over Tom Brady. If, if I'm a team and I'm looking for a quarterback, not for a splash, L.A. Chargers. If I'm trying to get a quarterback that can help me win right now, I would not be picking up Tom Brady in free agency and then paying him 27, 28, You would 29. pick up Teddy Bridgewater? Yes. Okay. You wouldn't? I don't know. So tell me what you saw Tom from Tom Brady, Brady. I think Tom Brady brings more to your team. I, I think that— Based on what? Okay, so— He can go win you a game. He had the chance to do that this year. He can be consistent I don't at believe, 43, 20 I don't season. believe that Teddy's arm is that much stronger than Tom Brady's in general. He's younger. Of He's course. younger. Okay. I don't think – I think Teddy is a little bit more mobile than Tom, but he's not a mobile guy. I think that Teddy – and I'm, I'm going to give Teddy a big credit here. Teddy is a great leader of men. He's clearly someone that teams rally around, and they love him. That's usually an advantage that Tom Brady has over anybody else. But in terms of the confidence he instills throughout the entire organization, in terms of the work ethic he instills through the entire organization, his ability to read defenses, I think that Tom Brady, I would still take Tom over Teddy Bridgewater. If you can read defenses but can't get it there, if your play and your mouth is leading a team saying, we're going to go do this, then you go out there and play bad. 
Um, I think the issue if, with the Patriots was more weapons than it was does, Tom. Does Tom Brady have another two, three years of good play in him? I think that I would put him at the way he's going. I think he's got two. Because my my question was he's been declining for the last four years. Let's ask let's, let's, let's ask start Pat, Pat's cousin. <laughs> he's been declining for the last four years. This oh, is yeah. this is the way I'll pose it, and then I'll answer as Pat Pat if you need. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's not about would you want Tom Brady to win you one playoff game tomorrow versus Teddy Bridgewater, because I think a lot of people would go with Tom Brady. But if you had to offer both of them three years for $75 million, would you rather offer that, those three years to Teddy Bridgewater or Tom Brady? And I think that's a much more difficult, a lot more razor-thin margin type of question. If you're, if you're the L.A. Chargers, are you offering Tom Brady three years, 75 locking up your cap like that? I don't know. All right, you answer it, and then Pat Pat. Like, what would you do? Uh, personally— As someone that has watched every Patriots game— yeah. What is the honest evaluation of Tom Brady? Because he is coming at it like he couldn't make the throws. I'm leaning more towards the weapons weren't there, and it kind of pigeonholed him. And let's also be honest, their offensive line took a step back, and he didn't have his center the entire season. That's a huge thing. That, that needs to be said in the first line of any obituary about the 2019 Patriots, that they didn't have their starting center and starting fullback the entire year. That's huge. Um, as, as just someone that's trying really hard to overcome his blind love of Tom Brady and how much joy he's given me over these last 20 years, I really do think it might be time to hit the reset button on the quarterback position at the New England Patriots. And if they didn't have enough weapons this year, paying Tom Brady $18 million a year or $17 million, whatever it was, I don't know if they're going to have enough weapons if they up that up, you know, another 50%. That's a tough, tough thing to say as a Patriots fan. It's a tough thing to admit because of how much I love him and how much joy he's given me and how good Teddy versus time on Facebook Watch is going to would be this offseason. As a Patriots, would you rather sign Tom Brady for three years to come back or Teddy for three years to join the Patriots? If it was up to me, God, it's like a poker table thing. I don't know until I'm physically right there because it's very easy to watch poker on TV and be like, you got to go all in here. You got to. But I don't know. I'm not physically signing the check. But just from the seat that I'm in, I think it might be the right move to, to sign uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I would go Tom. I, I, don't, I don't think Tom's done yet. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, know, I, feel, I can't believe under, I didn't burst into flames just by saying that from Sacrilege. You know what's weird about you is that you know all the facts. You know all the stats. And then you let this little thing cloud your, your vision. Because said to, I've been a Tom Brady truther for years. Okay. Where I was like, he's a little bit overrated. Okay. But I think, and, and obviously I think he's one of the greatest of all time, six Super Bowls. Of course he is. But I thought that the weapons that were around him, Josh McDaniels, having Bill Belichick there, it, it made it a lot easier than other guys had to deal with. But I look at how Tom Brady has kind of changed his physical like, I feel like he's become a better thrower of the football in the last two years than he was the two years before that. And I really think that this year was a special circumstance. I don't put this exit on him. I put more on the fact that Sony Michelle was not the guy that they thought he was going to be. Mm. The offensive line created no push all season long. Philip Dorsett had two linebackers draped all over him that Edelman, game. Edelman had knee and shoulder injuries heading into the game. Nikhil Harry doesn't know what to do. Uh, and the rest of the guys can't get open. Well, how do you balance that with a quarterback and, like Carson Wentz? Right? Right. That, well, that played with backup plays. Because, because that's like comparing Tom Brady from 2006, where Carson is still in the physical prime of his career. Same thing with Teddy. And in 2006, Brady did drag that underachieving team to the AFC Championship right. and one drive away Same from beating Peyton Manning in 06. I don't. Prime. The difference, though, is that, like, I've never found Teddy to be a physically great quarterback. I feel him to be a good executor of the position. Um, like, Carson, to me, is a, is a bit of a specimen. 
You know, he's a little bit like Big Ben. He's a little bit like he's closer to Russell Wilson than Teddy is in terms of their ability to like shake off sacks. Like when Teddy gets hit, he goes down. Mm-hmm. And I get it, I'm going to sound like a Teddy Bridgewater hater. And I, I love <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater. Like it, yeah. But all right. So you go that way. I go Teddy. I mean, I, I think Teddy was accurate. I thought he was. We're going to have to bet dinner well. on Teddy's contract. What have we bet on him already? You owe me like some money. You owe me a couple monies. Uh, one other thing before we get to the cup is I don't like talking about Antonio Brown, uh, but really I probably should spotlight him as, as a, an example of what can go wrong in sports. He tweeted this out uh, two days ago, I believe. Uh, this lawyer I got through Rosenhaus Sports seems like Drew screws players over just like he did Terrell Owens. Mm. Going to share some real info. Subscribe to my Vivo channel, Antonio Brown. Mm. I don't, every time Antonio does something, I have no idea what direction it's going into. Apparently, he was challenging one of those dumbass. Um, uh, the brothers that, that the blonde kid that that went and videotaped the suicide. The Logan Paul. Paul Logan Paul, Paul yeah. challenged him to a fight. Like Antonio Brown went from playing on the Patriots in Week One to like getting ready to be on a VH1 reality show yeah. in the quickest time I've ever seen, and it seems like he's fully transitioning over to that. And I don't know if there's going to be an audience. Like I think of all like the tos and all that stuff. I don't know if Antonio Brown crosses over, and I'm not even talking about the rape accusations right now. I never thought of Antonio Brown as a super famous guy. Like, I never thought his Q rating was that high outside of football fans. Did you ever think that? Um, I think that there's like a weird pocket of the internet that will always be there for people that are perceived as negatives by all of society. Like there, there's that joke that like OJ Simpson could tomorrow launch a podcast and it would get a million subscribers, right? Like there, there are certain people that have just been on the margins of society for years, but that they're famous enough. They have the name recognition. They can always just like snap their fingers and get an audience. And there are people like that. They, and they, they exist. Do you think Antonio Brown, like you were saying famous enough, is Antonio Brown that famous? He's so famous. Is he really? Oh, yeah. Hey, he had this little businesses booming type of thing going on for the last couple of years where he was famous outside of football, just doing right. the internet, social got, media. Dancing thing. with the Stars was a big yeah. thing. That's a whole God, crossover audience. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Because I just thought like T.O. was doing some stuff with, like Desperate Housewives mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I just wasn't sure if Antonio was that big outside of it. You know what else? But everything like, he does gets picked up. It's like Floyd Mayweather and Big Baller brand where it's like, mm-hmm. you're just, you're big enough, you're famous enough, there's enough money at stake that people will be like, hell yeah, I stand for that guy. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's, I feel like Twitter is doing that right now, that everything Antonio Brown tweets out, if you don't give a shit about Antonio Brown, you just ignore it. But he's getting retweets and likes and retweets and likes and mentions because people are interested in his story. And when enough eyeballs are pointed in one direction, yeah. you can make a successful something out of it. But you know this. As you get further and further away from your playing career, it is like it dies off quickly. Right. Quickly. He's got a two, three year window or whatever to, to make something start. And, and, that, and that's why he's doing rap videos. I mean, that's, that's why he has his shirt off and the chains on. Doing, I, you, you know, and, here, and here's my thought. Hashtag no white women 2020. Yeah. I, th- this is my thought about Antonio Brown. I, I just want him to go play football again. I, I really do because I know the special player that he was. <laughs> I want him just to get back to doing that. And I don't know that he's going to get that opportunity again. And, and, and let's also say this. From where he is as a football player, if Tom Brady is still fighting to get him on your team and the reports from the Saints workout where they were blown away 
Yeah. I have no doubt that Antonio Brown has kept himself in the physical shape no of play doubt. because I don't think he knows not to. It's a little bit like T.O. It's a little bit like Jerry Rice where they're just so rigorous that they're never going to lose the step. Mm-hmm. They're never going to get fat. This is never going to happen. But I also think like of all the guys in the NFL, the one who I'm worried about the most is Antonio Brown. Yeah. I just he is the most out there right now. Based on some of his comments, because there are there he'll have one week or one day where it's great, and you're like, oh, Antonio Brown's definitely going to get a job. He sounds sane. He's making good decisions. And then the next two days, you're like, okay, here goes this this set of tweets that show me that he's off this rail. That's he's the like, recipe for a reality show, though. Yes, that's exactly. the recipe for like some well, that's some what producer is salivating at this thought of like, oh, he's off the rails. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah. Every other episode, you don't know what the hell's going to happen. I, I will say this though. It was interesting when he did his announcement with the Patriots. Remember, he was contacting social media professionals mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to get out from the Oakland Raiders, mm-hmm. some of whom might work at Bleacher Report. But, and that wasn't me. I mean, there might be someone that works at Bleacher Report. Got a feeling. But it's interesting, like, is he still employing that? Because it's interesting to say that about Rosenhaus and then check out my channel. That's a PR professional telling you to do that. Mm. Give it substance that it alone can carry it, and then also drop this for when it gets retweeted a lot. It'll be a little bit of a plug. Is he still doing this? There are certain times where I think Antonio Brown just naturally has that sense of what is going to go viral. Some people have that. Mm -hmm. Some people just know how to really use social media. But I just... Is it weird? I just, because this like rape case is there and like it's still not solved, I really feel dirty talking about him all the time. I feel, I feel like the NFL has done him dirty. And as bad as all the rape, all those things are bad. We, we understand that. However, he does deserve the opportunity to go get employment without having this, we'll suspend you as soon as you get employed thing hanging over his head. That's wrong by the NFL. If you're going to suspend him for 10 games, okay, suspend him for 10 games. It's going to be 16 games, whatever it is. Right. So make that happen. But don't hang it over it his head. It does seem like they're preventing employment. Of course they are. Of course they are. Well, I mean, if you're the Saints, I mean, I'm not saying that they would have. But I guess have. if the case gets resolved, he can get picked up immediately. Yeah, but why, why haven't they made a decision? What, what, what are they waiting for? What are they? Are they investigating this? They're still? always going to say that they're going to wait for it to play out in a court of law before they make it. Was decision. it Ezekiel Elliott who just? It was like a suspension, then it got appealed, then it got suspended, then it got appealed, and it all for happened eight weeks. Yeah, for eight straight right. weeks, and it was just like a front page story every single day, and it was just like we don't know what's going to happen. And you're right, like if you're going to punish the guy, punish the guy. But if you're not, then let it play out in the courts. Well, because, because think about this: there, I'm, I'm sure there were teams the same. Well, you know what? We would like to pick him up, but we don't want to pick him up because we think he's going to be suspended. We don't know. They have no clue what the NFL is going to do. Right. That part's unfair. That part's unfair. He obviously has to be a better citizen, I think. But it's unfair that the NFL is kind of holding it over his head and saying, we're not going to give you an answer until we have to. It's an interesting perspective. Like I, I as a non-athlete, it's, it's hard to think of players as professionals trying to get a job. Right. It's 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 hard to think of. You, you think of them as like superheroes. Right. right. Like that's the way we fans think of them. And you're right. It's like he's, he's a man who wants to get a job. He wants to get his employment. I think so. And he's being blocked. Michael Shapiro of SI.com is reporting that the Giants got a phone call from Bill Belichick, basically selling them that judge was someone who is, in fact, qualified to be a head coach. He had not one job, but two jobs. On that staff, he was a special teams coordinator, one of the most respected positions, that he was the receivers coach. As I've always said, I don't know if I ever want to hear that from Belichick because I always think that he's trying to fuck with me. 
Do you know what I mean? Like if Belichick called and recommended somebody, there'd be a part of me that would be like, he's trying to foist the bad guy on you. He's trying to take me down for the next two, he's trying to get him out of there. But what does it say to you that Belichick would call the, but you know what? The fact that it's the giants makes me have more confidence in Joe judge because the one franchise in this league that Belichick would not fuck over. He loves the giants, the New York giants. I'm telling you that, that that's why he intentionally lost two Super Bowls to them. Right. He like, wanted yeah, to give them. He loves their is, he loves yeah. that franchise. So Ever much. since I saw the clip of Belichick walking around the Giants facilities and crying because that's where he cut his teeth. That's a bit that I'm telling you, man, that Belichick stamp of approval for you, man. It means something. I, I, I got to get him on my references for my my resume. Oh, Belichick. Yeah. we Or like I'm, I'm applying for apartments. And they're like, Bill Belichick. <laughs> like, yeah. you know Call what, them up. When, they, when it's the 100th anniversary of podcasts and you're being considered for like one of the, one of the spots in the all-century team for, for a sports podcast or yeah. whatever, and Belichick's sitting in that seat and he's like, look, man, back in, uh, back in 2013, I'll tell you what, this, this Lefko kid came onto the scene. And, uh, <laughs> remember, remember when he called for the Ravens to win the one seat? Yeah. <laughs> you're never going to believe this. Legendary again. podcast moment. I, I had his, uh, the apartment manager give me a call and I gave him a great reference. <laughs> Plays good defense. You ready? Let's do it. It's cup time. Uh, Ingber, who should go first? Mr. Westbrook. See, I like that. By the way, have you watched any of this Jeopardy Grandmasters? No, I forgot to tape it last night. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to watch it. And I got one right. Nice. One question the entire game? I got six right. Okay. Dude, they did this one called Before and After. Have you ever seen that? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. They say like three things, and yeah. it, it ends up, it's like what we do where it's like... Like the Lion King and I or something. Yeah, but they're doing it so quickly. Yeah, it's crazy fast. Oh. Their brains work on a different level from the yes. rest of us. Ken Jennings. Mortals. You know what annoys me about Ken Jennings? Ken Jennings will be like, uh, Reese's Puffs? And they're like, yeah, and he's like, oh. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> you he's knew got, that. He's got 20 in a row doing the same <laughs> thing. All right. Uh, let's do... Your son, Bry's voice. Brian is so bad. Um, <laughs> Dude, you say that every time we bring up your son. I took him to a basketball game last night, to the Nets game, and he begged me to go to this game. He gets, we get into the seat. So we, we go there early, we get something to eat. He's begging me the whole time just to go out to the floor. No one's on the floor. The, 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 some of the guys are warming up. I just want to go see basketball. Go see basketball. We get to the floor 30 minutes before the dog when game starts. He wants to watch videos. I'm like, Brian. On the phone. Yeah. I, I want to watch my TV. I'm like, Brian, you begged me to come here. He wants to watch the dog on TV. Asking another father. Sometimes I think Brian's a little unrealistic with his son. Sometimes I think that he How old thinks is he's Brian? like... He's two. Okay. Sometimes He'll be I three think he's in, like a, in February. He's like a 15-year-old kid. <laughs> like whenever you say he's bad, he, it's always just like a story of what I assume two-year-olds did. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But I'm just like, oh, come it on. It is, I will say, because my, my daughter's two, two and a half, and uh, when she asks for something specifically, and then I give her that very thing, and then it's still not, she's not still not happy, enough. I'm like, well, what did I do wrong? Right, right. Like last night, she wanted cheese, and so I went into the fridge, and I brought her some cheese, and she said, no, different cheese. Yeah. <laughs> so I brought her a different kind of cheese. We happen to have both cheddar and American. American in the fridge. She said, no different cheese. I'm like, what do you think I have in this refrigerator? Right. You think I have eight different brands how, of how cheese? How did you actually react? I said, oh, okay, well, I don't think we have any different kinds of cheese. Do you want to try this first cheese again? And she said, yeah. <laughs> so that worked See, out. When you have a little girl, you can react that way. <laughs> That's true. Little boys, you're like, yo, come on, buddy. Hey, what you gonna do, man? Come on, buddy. Buddy, you make up your mind. You either want right, this so or you do, don't. Do bad prize voice. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've never, I met Brian one time. 
his name's Brian. Yeah. Is yeah. he Brian Jr.? Yeah, Brian Jr. And like the cutest kid I've sure. ever seen in my That's entire the problem. Life. Yeah. That's the problem. He thinks he's cute and he can get away with anything. <laughs> it doesn't work that way in the real world. Just start calling him ugly. Don't do that. <laughs> hey, boy. <laughs> no, it's clearly cool. I'm the non parent in the room. Right. <laughs> All right. So, little Brian's voice. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, Daddy. Um. Um, I want you to answer a question. Okay, okay, just tell me this. Um, does this sound like a little girl's voice? Is this no, it sounds like a girl's every, sound the same, every now and then he goes with a deep voice. Like when I talk to the dogs, I, I use a deep voice just to show them what the deal is. And then when he talks to me, he uses that voice. What the deep voice? The deep voice. All right, so then do Bry's deep voice. Right. Hey, Dad. Um, um, <laughs> That's not what it sounds like. I promise you. He doesn't get that deep. I've been calling him big guy recently, and the last month he's been like, "Hey, big guy. Hey, big guy." He's been calling me big guy. And he's been going deeper with it. Yes. Hey, okay, hey, big guy. He's not going this deep. Well, hey, hey, yeah, hey, big guy. That's what he sounds like. Hey, big guy. All right, let me get back to it. My daughter calls me buddy now. That's when I give her a snack, she goes, "Thanks, buddy." Yeah. <laughs> Kills he, me. He calls my wife baby. No, he, I promise you. He's like, hey, baby, can I get some milk? <laughs> no. I, I was dying laughing last night. Hey, baby, can I get some milk? I'm like, I don't know what to do. All right, here we go. And can, <laughs> uh, my son is so bad. Here we go. <laughs> See? Um, um, and King Jong-un's North Korean basketball, a missed free throw is worth minus one point. If you were the sports dictator of America, what other batshit crazy rules would you install? I actually okay. understood everything. I don't have to repeat what you said. Good. That was good. Yeah. He talks I do, well. So, Ingber obviously made the questions. I didn't know that they have a best believer. If you miss a free throw, you lose a point. There's other rules, that. too. I like it. Did what you know that a three-point swish is worth four points? If it doesn't touch the rim, it's worth four. Oh. And field goals in the final three minutes are worth eight points. That's dumb. <laughs> I know. But think about it. The final three minutes, three-pointers are now, like, worthless. Uh-huh. you got to get toward the hoop. So it's uh-huh. like you could have this pace and space type of Atlanta Hawks offense going right yeah. now. And then those last three minutes, if you got to catch up, you're down by 20, you got to get into the paint. It's a completely different game. If I interviewed Kim Jong-un, all I would talk about would be basketball. By the way, it's Kim Jong-il's rules. Kim Jong-un just happens to be presiding over the, the league now. I wonder if Moon would change him. All right, so I have a few that are not rules. They're statistics, and I know that you definitely have some. I think about this all the time of rules. This changes. is like very much Dan Ingber's thing of like fixing sports. Go. Number one, and I said this to Reggie Wayne because I did an interview that's going to come out later with like the Hall of Fame. I, I said, I believe that playoff statistics should not only count towards regular statistics, but they should be worth one and a half. Mm. So like a receiving yard in the playoff should be worth one and a half receiving yard on your all-time records. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how Reggie Wayne has played the second most, has the second most receiving yards out of anyone behind Jerry Rice, and they're not on his regular statistics. He's played... 18 playoff games and he has all these statistics and everyone cares about how many Super Bowls you have and how many playoff wins, but we don't count those statistics. And if you say that's unfair, you're playing more games. Yes, they're playing more games because they're in the playoffs. I just don't understand why playoff statistics don't count towards your totals. I just... It, it does. Sense it to counts me. to wear and tear on your body. And yeah, it counts and, to wear and, and tear. And I, I like that. I, I just when when someone looks at like your career minutes played as a basketball, like look at LeBron has played yes as many playoff minutes as many legends have played regular season right. minutes, and it's like he's had two careers. Right. And, and then at the end of the end the end of their careers, we don't even look at it. Yeah. There's this whole subsection. No, he only had thirty-one thousand points. Like, well, how about the other ten thousand points that he scored in the finals against a tougher defense? That's my thing. We're not counting preseason, you know what I mean? But we're counting postseason. That's one. 
Two, this is fantasy. Wait, before you go on, I have a similar thing to okay. that. That if you get the buy, that should count as a win on your career records. No. Your re- career playoff records. No. That's interesting. No. Tom Brady earned a win when he got to 13-3. and three. But What if they would have played I'd be willing to call lost. that a half a win. Sure, half a win. Half. Fine. But it should be something. I agree with that. Okay, in the same vein of 15.5 games. Yeah, exactly. In the same vein of these are like things that are happening that you should get credit for it and you're not. There should be a statistic for pass interference caused. I believe there are certain receivers that are really good. George Kittle's amazing at it. Or Cortland Sutton, I think, has led the NFL. Mm -hmm. And I, I think also it should be reflected in fantasy. Yeah. If my team yes. goes down 50 yards because uh, S- Sterling Shepard drew a pass interference, he should get credit for that. So yeah. call like 20 receiving yeah. yards, like one third or one half or, or something? Or you should get a half a point yeah. for pass interference. That's just fantasy. But I feel like there should be a way because we're moving down the field, and then when we look back f- five years later, there's no, there's no way. It just shows up in— Total penalty yards. Right, because you know that Bill Belichick has a list somewhere yeah. of the best wide receivers at drawing penalties and how Joe, valuable that is Joe to your team. Joe Flacco was not a great Flacco was the first, but first he one was that came into my head. incredible at throwing behind receivers. and call- <laughs> I just think there should be a statistical way of counting. I like that. Yeah, yards are yards. If you're trying to get toward the end zone, any way that you can do it yeah. is successful. All right, what do you got for us? Um, I think you should get rid of any sort of penalty for excessive celebration for a touchdown. That you should be able to celebrate however you want for as long as you want, but while you're celebrating, the other team can tackle you, <laughs> and your and your team can block for you. By the way, oh, what so, do you think of that? Oh man, I'm just I love it. Terry Kill runs 80 yards, scores a touchdown. He gets to dance for like five, six seconds before anyone catches up with him. But if they catch up with him while he's still dancing, they can just blindside him. Yeah, I'm just worried about the injury. That- <laughs> <laughs> but I do. You remember I, To. In Dallas, yes. when he was still in, he was in Carolina. No, not Carolina. Uh, San Fran. Yeah, and, and then he, George Teague hit him. Yeah, which was fun. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Um, so we obviously we have forward progress Ooh, in the can NFL. I, can I go? Out, can I riff off what you just said? Of course. The defense, we're workshopping here. You can go out there, but if you do some form of dance or celebration, the defense, like in a dance battle, can can put someone else out there, and if they do a better celebration, they get the touchdown you, points. They get. Like, let's say there's a three point, a point they get to take. I, like it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. It has to go to a dance battle. I like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's like, I like, all right, that. we're in our fourth dance. No, up and back you know, what we're going to hear is Tessa is going to be like, we're going to have to send this to Seacock. It's a very close dance battle. We're going to have to have uh, Al Riveron take a look at this one. Oh, man. Less <laughs> Al Riveron. I like that. Um, so, you know, we have forward progress in, in the NFL, but I want to have backward progress in the NFL in the rare occasions where it's beneficial to let the other team score a touchdown. You know, those like rare occasions yes. where your, your team is, let's say my team's driving, we're down by one, we're at the one yard line might be beneficial to take a knee three times and kick the field goal to win it as opposed to scoring, giving the ball back. And then you've got a minute or whatever mm-hmm. to score a touchdown. So in those cases, the defensive team that wants to let you score should be able to lift your running back off the ground and drag him into his end zone forward progress. No, sorry, it's backward progress. If you can get in there and scoop that motherfucker I'm saying if you can do it, it's a hard thing to do, but it would be amazing to watch. I think you can do that now. (laughs) You think they can lift a guy and walk him forward? Yes. (laughs) Okay, well, great. No. Like, what's the the same thing as if Fletcher Cox grabs somebody and threw him? He just is throwing him forward. So, yes, like a super progress would be ruled in that case, though. 
You wouldn't. I mean, you wouldn't get if all the. Fletcher, the, the, if you were running yeah. at Aaron Donald, right. and he picked you up and then ran with you forward, they would not call forward progress because you're still going forward. If he ran with you backwards, then they would call it forward progress. There would be no reason for the ref to stop it from Aaron Donald carrying you into the end zone currently. Oh, they would stop it. There's no way. I don't think so. Wait, you can't just no. So then, what happens when they all get into a pile and then the offensive linemen come and all of a sudden it starts moving? They don't call it because it's moving forward. Because it's forward progress. You're moving That's what forward, I'm right? But if you're going backwards, they're going to stop it. I'm saying we're not going backwards. I'm saying you're running this way. Aaron Donald picks you up and keeps running. Continues this way. you going the they're other way. They're not going to call that. There's but never why, been a forward why, progress. Why, why would he saying, do that? He's saying, remember the time that you slid? Yes. And and whatever. But Dallas really wanted you to score, right? If one of the Dallas, if fucking Demarcus Ware picked you up, it's you, rare. But I, I want to do it now. I think you could do it now. Amazing. I'm, I'm glad. That would that, be hilarious. Like, just, no, 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 you're it. not going down. I wish that more cornerbacks did that. Mm-hmm. Did the NFL blitz? If a receiver jumps up and catches the ball, just fucking grab him, run out of bounds, and drop him. It's no catch. I don't understand why more cornerbacks. That's will do hilarious. That. Yeah, I've seen you've seen it before where they go up and they push them, but I don't know why you don't just grab that motherfucker by the hips mm-hmm. and take a step to the left yeah. and go, great catch, psych, out of bounds. It's NFL blitz. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, I like that. Um, and then I got one more jokey one. I'm not the first person to think of this. Uh, then I then I have a real one after this. But um, I think all coaches in all sports should be like baseball where they have to wear the team uniform. <laughs> right? Greg Popovich in shorts and a tank Shoulder top. pads, too. <laughs> you don't have to wear pads. You just have to wear the uniform. Tight pants, pants and the jersey. Oh, the pants. Is, that's Andy always what Reed. makes me laugh. At the, oh, my gosh. The pants with Andy on. Oh. I mean, you see these, like, 70-year-old guys with a gut, you know. Has it ever been explained why they do that in baseball? I don't know, but it's awesome. Tradition. They used to have, like, player managers, and that's, like... I, I really, I would love to know. I'm sure that, like, well, there have been player coaches in the NBA. You Eric know, Russell in a, in, a, in a sleeveless jersey. I'm saying these hockey coaches, they look so cool in their suits, you know, but, like, how cool would they look if you're wearing, like, a Blackhawks jersey just patrolling? <laughs> you look like one of the players. It's freaking cool. A helmet, everything. Okay, but this is actually a rule that I want to in, implement in all the sports, and this is something I've been thinking about for a while. Um, you know, you got like the supermax in the N- NBA where you can pay a guy up to, let's say, like $45 million a year seems to be the going rate. I think every team should get one super duper max slot on their roster mm. where you can pay them up to $45 million on the books and then as much as you want off the books, mm. right? And you get one, one slot. So like if, for example, if you're the owner of, I don't know, Orlando and you want to make a splash and you can offer Giannis $45 million on the books and $100 million a year off the books. And it doesn't impact the luxury doesn't tax. doesn't impact the luxury tax. Cap. It's just I'm a billionaire. I have the money and I want Giannis on my team. It, it will keep super teams from forming, right? Because you can't afford uh, to have. I disagree. I think, it would, I think it would actually enhance it. No, but you're not allowed to. You're telling me that. So right now, Giannis has to choose between, you know, $45 million a year staying in Milwaukee or like 35 to 40 million dollars a year going to somewhere else then it turns down to which owners have the most money yeah they all have billions of dollars they can all afford they're not all that rich like some of them they don't have cash like that a lot of them don't have cash and you don't get Giannis like like Balmer has (laughs) it's a tough world they're businessmen they know this shit Balmer has endless money you know top top 10 richest men in the world but there are other like there's like there are other owners in the NFL that all of their wealth is based on the franchise right Mm -hmm. They don't have, like, a side company. But Jerry Jones wasn't a billionaire when he bought the Cowboys. He was a millionaire. He's a multi-millionaire. He had money. But he became a billionaire because the Cowboys brand 
You're Brian Westbrook. You have <laughs> entrepreneurs coming to you all the time with tech investment opportunities, uh-huh. right? Let's say you're a hedge fund guy and you're you're not you're cash poor right now, but you you own a three billion dollar team. You can go to your hedge fund buddies and be like, "Hey, give me a bridge loan of a hundred million dollars. I want to sign Giannis right now." Yes. Explain to me why that doesn't work. If you're if you want to compete with Steve Ballmer, you can't Ballmer, do that ten more times. Let's say you can't do it three more times. Yeah. You can. You only get one spot Just, on on your team. Okay. So if you want LeBron and you want to pay him $40 million on the books and $100 million off the books, you can. Hey, as a player's podcast, I support it. All right. If, if you're a player, you want that. If you're, oh, yes. if you're the owners, you're like, no. Because we know in the NBA and it's like the NFL, there are a few guys that make a huge difference, right? Like if you have Russell Wilson on your team, your team is going to the playoffs. He matters. He should be able to get paid as much as any owner is willing to give him. Yes. Salary cap be damned. Well, I, I'm going to tell you mine. Thank you. I appreciate you oh, throwing fuck. it to me. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's that was my good, bad. Good thinking about me. Sorry. <laughs> David, he introduced some crazy things, so I think that it, it makes sense. Two things, and these are actually, actually kind of simpler things. Penalty box for basketball. If you miss a Ooh. dunk, go to the penalty box. Love it. If you take a charge when you could have went up for a block, penalty box. Wait, a charge is a positive for your team. Nope. No, <laughs> no, no charges in my league. Just said, no. If you get dunked on... Penalty box. Oh, getting dunked on is very different than taking a charge, though. Right. If you take a charge and you're a big man and you could have went and contested, <laughs> penalty box. This sounds like a short guy idea. Out of there. He's like, I block everything. I'm out, out of there. <laughs> I, I, out of there. Right? Five <laughs> with seven feet tall, nine blocks a game. Listen, I, I saw last night Tristan Thompson trying to take a charge. Got dunked on, yeah. but trying to take a charge. But see, I think there's enough punishment in being dunked on. You're, that's too bad. You got balls all over everywhere. That, that's part of it. Whoa. That's, hey, <laughs> penalty box. He has to go there. That's where he has to go. I do think in, in basketball, uh, as with as with other sports, like if you do a certain type of flagrant foul, you're gone for the game. I don't know why we can't have like you're out for a quarter or you're out for six minutes of action. Right. Like, like the other night, Isaiah Thomas got kicked out for bumping into a ref. And it's like that could have been a first half suspension. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like it would be nice to, to be able to have different units, increments of suspension as opposed yeah. to because if you're gone for the game, you could be suspended midway through the fourth quarter or you could be suspended 10 seconds into the first quarter. For the same exact infraction. Okay. NBA penalty box. One more. I love and it. The, this is, and then I, I was reading the XFL rules this morning because we had Oliver Luck on. And I thought this rule was kind of cool. So instead of the regular, traditional one point extra point, you can go either for one point, two point, Well, they or don't three even point. have kicks. Yeah, no, and I'm right, saying right, you, right. So you're going for one point from the two yard line, two points from the five, or three points from the 10. So you could have a nine point. Touchdown drive. Yes. Right there. I like that idea. Last one is the overtime rule. So, and I don't know that they do this as the exact way, but it's kind of like the American gladiator type of deal. You have your best offensive player versus the best defensive player. Me versus Brian Dawkins. One on one, you got the whole field to make a miss. Oh my God. Whoever that's scores. So, so you get offense against a turn, the defense gets a turn. Now, me offensively, now I got to tackle. The whole field, like you're at one end line? No, no, like let's, let's say line? we started at the 20. Let's say we started at 10. Now, I get the score, and Brian Dawkins, I got to make a play on the defensive side of the ball. So now it's one on one for the right to win that football game. The only thing I think about, though, is when the first XFL started, the very first time they did that, Whoever gets ball first is whoever runs out and gets it, and the dude separated his shoulder on <laughs> yes. the very first one. <laughs> that was crazy. And it was great as a viewer because you're like, holy shit, oh, this, this league, league is, is hardcore. But then at the same time, you're like, that's not sustainable. <laughs> <Almost like laughs> out there, yeah. The XFL is interesting because it is, we have to do all these crazy things. To, like I know they have like booth review at any time, yeah. like throughout the whole game. Yeah. 
They have to do crazy things to get people to watch their product. But I think it also is, I love when this happens because it, it puts the pressure on the NFL to look at their own rules and go, do we have the best rules right now? Mm-hmm. When you're the only game in town, it's your word. But that's the I, benefit of having minor leagues or having a G that's League. That's what I was hoping with the AFL is, you know, they had the review booth that you could listen into. Mm. I thought that was really cool. Um, I just, <laughs> do you really think the XFL is going to work? I mean, you talked to Oliver Luck today. Do you think yeah. it's going to work? It's going to be tough. It's, I think it's tough to get people interested in other players than the players that are in the NFL. I think you may be able to grab them for a season, maybe two, but having them for a long period of time is just hard. If, if I, in my opinion, and when did he say the XFL was going to start? Like what? February eighth. Okay, so it's going to be, and it's not this year, is it? This year, yeah, yeah, it's starting. Yeah, they've made drafts. Oh, Matt McGloin's on a roster. Oh, thanks. Yes, uh, I'm getting that jersey. When I look at that, the number one thing I would do if I was the XFL, and I don't know if they've already done it, is to either partner with a FanDuel or a DraftKings, and you need to get daily fantasy mm. or fantasy a part of it. Yes. You need to make gambling a huge part of that league because that's what people miss. They miss being able to gamble on games and watch and get results. That's where we are. I remember a few years ago they were saying that we've turned into a fantasy football league, not a football league. I think it's even getting further. You need to get that daily fantasy grind where you can bet on the games. Because if it's just normal gambling in Vegas, I, I just I think they need to really in, in come together. I don't know what that what is that hand? Give me a word. Meld? Yeah. Does this mean that we're extending Warren Sharp through the spring to get some uh, XFL gambling content? No. I need at least three a week. I'm going to be honest. I the, the fans might be excited for it. I can't imagine the media is excited <laughs> to be like, oh, I'm going to cover XFL. Yeah. Like, this All is right. my time off. Right, right. I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, why would they be? If they called you to do... I don't know. XFL commentary? Anything. Analyst? I would be like, uh, how much are you paying again? Right. Uh, yeah, okay. What about if they were like, we want you to be a coach? No. I'd be like, no, no, no. What if they were like, you got anything left at the tank? I'd be like, absolutely not. <laughs> I would say, well, how much are you paying? Right, right, right. Yeah. And when, how, many, how long I got to be there? Yeah, absolutely. I don't no. think it's going to work. You could be like a long snapper, right? No one touches you? That would be nice. Just ni- be nice. Like, what if I was just there for that extra point deal? The the, the, the the two yards. The overtime. The overtime deal. Make a man miss. Just make somebody miss. Is that what their overtime rule is? It's something similar to that. I'm That's not, pretty I, awesome. I don't know pretty that good. they have... It's I, and that reminds me of the most exciting thing in sports, which I believe is the uh, shootout in hockey, where it's one on one and PKs skate, in soccer. And they yeah. scout. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that like, yeah. Hockey's better though because it's at mid. Yes. Right. It's you're not just. It's not one two kick. It's I'm over it, and now I'm going to skate up to the left. The TJ Oshie the right. Yeah. MLS used to do that. That's how you'd start at midfield and you just had five seconds to score and the goalie would come out and try to fake you out. Um, I did read about the overtime rules of the XFL. It's one play from the five yard line. Right. My team goes, then your team goes, my team goes and you're, and we each get five chances. And just like in a PK, whoever has, you know, you you got four out of five. I got three out of five. You win the game. Uh, Do yours in the Tony, the tiger voice. Hmm. I know he says they're great, but I don't know what I don't know what the rest of his voice sounds like. Oh my god! So I did write these these questions. The XFL announced this week that there will be no <laughs> extra points. Teams can try for one point from the two yard line, two points from the three yard line, or three points from the ten yard line. What do you think? That was literally what I wrote. Really? Yeah, I just thought it was a really cool rule, and I See, wanted to get your. your I forgot that are, I put that in there. We are together. 
We could make a really good you poker collusion team. You both randomly pick yes. something out of a cup. I know. It's it's one of those things. I Should we do like a different I, question? I feel like or? the third wheel right now. I feel like you <laughs> so guys anyway. are sharing spaghetti and I got french fries. Welcome to Ingber Westbrook Talk. I, uh, I do like it. I think it's cool as hell. I think the 10-yard line is a little gimmicky. Like three points is a lot, but it is difficult to score from the 10-yard line. Well, I don't know. Because it's fun though. Just imagine if you got their five and everyone's bringing in their jumbo packages and you're, everyone's tight. It seems to me it'll be easier if I'm the the Saints to spread everybody out from the ten and I get rewarded with the three points mm-hmm. than it is to score at the goal line. If I don't, especially if I don't have a running back, it's true. It's the running re- people the reason I like it is if there's a minute and a half left and I'm down nine, I'm not changing the channel. You're at least alive. Yeah, there's a chance, and that's all you want. And I, that's the reason I think they're doing it, and I like it though. Yeah. I think the ten yard line is is it's difficult to score from yeah. the ten, on one play. Yeah, if you got stopped and it was fourth and one on the ten, a lot of people would kick that field goal, and that's worth three points. I could that's far enough to make it worth that. Mm-hmm. It also makes you think would about be too far. Makes you think about strategy. If you if you score the first touchdown of the game, do you go for the one point or do you go for the three? And every touchdown, you're saying, well, where do I? What do I think they're going to do? I, the, the probability nerds got to jump on that. I'm saying there's a big analytics oh, yeah. opportunity. Oh, you better have Who's that. that Ravens guy that we all like who's like 26 years old? Yeah. That guy would crunch those numbers and be like, oh, you get 2.5 expected value from the three-yard line. All right. What uh, voice am I doing? Hmm. Um, can we get? <laughs> can we get? <laughs> okay. Can I get like a ghost? Like someone that's haunting Ooh. my house? How many dogs can... Oh, Ingmer, how many dog breeds can you name in one minute? <laughs> is this right. going to be just on me or is it like group effort? This should be just on you. No, 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 no. Because Ingmer is going to be great. No. And you're going to be bad. And I would like, should we all do this together? I think I'm, so. I'm good at dog I got it. I'm good at dog breeds. Are you? You got the timer? I do. Okay. As long as we don't do. Uh, no cheating. Mm-hmm. What is this? What were, they, what were we doing? Elements. Yes. That's why I think Ingber is going to be carrying this. Okay. <laughs> Ready? On your go. mark. Get set. Go. Golden Retriever. Cocker Spaniel. Rottweiler. Golden Doodle. <laughs> Chocolate Lab. German Shepherd. Uh, go- uh, fucking Pikachu. Shih Tzu. <laughs> Pikachu. Rock. Poodle. English Spaniel. Cocker Spaniel. Um, Dachshund. Sky Dachshund. Terrier. Dachshund. There's an ancient there. <laughs> French Bulldog. English Bulldog. Oh, yeah. Sure. Just straight up Newfoundland. American Bulldog. Uh... A pit bull. Vishla. Ooh. American Terrier. I like that Vishla. Uh, pass. Akita. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, Afghan. Pass. Basset Hound. Shit. <laughs> Greyhound. Nice. That's a good one. Um, um, pass. Collier. Bloodhound. Collier. Collier. What is that? Border Collie. Border Collie is what I meant, yeah. Um, I said Bloodhound, too. I don't know if I caught that one. Did you? Did you say that? Uh, I, I'm done. Pat, Maltese. Nice. King Charles Spaniel. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, those are pretty Mastiff. Dogs. All right. Oh, Mastiff. Mastiff, yeah. St. Bernard. 59 seconds. That was it. We did we like got 20. to 25. That's pretty good. That's, That's pretty, pretty good. good. Brian's I mean, making fun of me. And for the people listening, it's really hard to do it on the spot. If you're like just listening right now, being like, oh, I would have thought of this, this, and this. Yeah. It's a lot easier when you don't have the pressure of having to think of them. Right it's now. the timer. The timer changes your mind. There's a, there's a clip online that was circulating yesterday of Billy Eichner. You know him? No. Yes. Hilarious guy. He just walks up to people on the street and just says like, here's a trivia question right in your face. And they freak out. Or I'll go, I'll go, for a dollar, name an actress with the name Ellen. And yeah. they're like, ah. And so, never figured out. He goes, he goes right up to her, this woman and he goes, for a dollar, ma'am, name a woman. 
<laughs> and she's like, Hi, what? She goes, name a woman for a dollar. And if like 10, 15, 30 cringy seconds go by as this right. woman is just like freaking out because Billy Eichner's just shoving a microphone in her face. Can't do it. It's so funny. Can't do it. It does. It changes everything. Yeah. Being yelled at, having a timer. Oh, that's like when you're playing like taboo or something like that and yes. they turn over the sand. Yeah. Where you're you playing Scrab- Scrabble's a lot differently if you see the sand versus if you're sitting there thinking of words. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian's up. No, David's up. Nope, you we started first. with you. One, two, three. Good. Um, Are you like a drill sergeant? Great idea. All right, son, get over here now. <laughs> you tell me this. What's better? Oh, he's Southern, too. Yeah. <laughs> All drill sergeants are Southern. It's a law. What's better, son? Get your hands out your ass. Listen, <laughs> your team makes the playoffs every year for a decade or, I mean, oh, here we go. We're going to start on over, son, because you're going to mess it all up. Your team makes the playoffs every year for a decade, and you roll the dice, or you're guaranteed a Super Bowl, but your team will stink every other year. Mm. Tell me that, son. All right, so explain this thing, bro. Uh, basically, like, would you rather have a quarterback like Russell Wilson that's going to get you a ticket to the dance uh-huh. every single year, and you might end up with three Super Bowls, you might end up with zero, or you're guaranteed you're going to win a Super Bowl this decade, but your team will stink, let's say, three, four wins every other year for the decade. Mm. So the 2020s are going to go by. You will have a title, but you're going to stink every other year. Let's ask the Ooh. Let's ask the former player first. Yeah, we'll answer I really that. wanted to know Brian's. Yeah. So your team makes the playoffs every year. So you it, for a decade. So you're going to go to the playoffs every year. So you got to. Oh, you're, cha- you're a you're a playoff team every year. Yeah. And then you roll the dice, meaning meaning like you play out the se- you play out the season. So Absolutely. Brian Westbrook, that, that's the answer. Yeah. So Brian Westbrook, you're on the team. I'm telling you that you can either have ten years where you're in the playoffs, you might win a Super Bowl, or I'm guaranteeing you one, but the other nine you're going to stink. I'm going with the ten years in the playoffs. And I got a chance of winning it. I love that. I love that you said that. Yeah. I mean, because, listen, I, I, the one Super Bowl is nice, but that the nine other years that you're just terrible is See, no good. I thought the question was going to be, you're in the playoffs for 10 years and you don't win one, or you win one and you stink. For See, the if you're other. guaranteed to not win a Super Bowl, I think a lot of people yeah. would take the Super Bowl, the guaranteed right, Super Bowl right, ring. Right. But I'm saying, like, you get to the playoffs and you have the chance to win potentially 10 Super Bowls. No one's going to win 10 in a row, but like you have the chance to versus you know you're going to win one or you might win zero or five. I would roll five. the dice in the playoffs. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, because that one Super Bowl year compared to all the stinks, I mean, it would be great. Crazy stuff happens in the playoffs, though. You never know what happens in the playoffs. Injured players for the other team. Of course. Someone just gets hot. Carson Wentz goes on a run. Nick Foles gets hot, and they win the Super Bowl. Other teams, they dropping balls, things like that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm taking the playoffs for 10 years and, and trying to figure it out. Yeah, 12 teams in the playoffs. You're there for 10 straight years. Chances are you should win at least one. You would think. You'd think. And you would feel much better making the playoffs every year. Your I mean, team it, would know how to different would handle process. the pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're up. Uh, let's – you want to talk like Lucy, <laughs> your daughter? <laughs> she, you, she's unintelligible. She's a <laughs> little kid voice, um, except when she says, thanks, buddy. It's the one thing that I can understand. What, what voice should he do? I have no clue. Like, no clue. Um, we've really... We've I would so like... Many we've hit a Okay, lot. I got one. I, I'm doing an animated cartoon, and I'd like you to be the voice of a mop. Take that creatively <laughs> however you'd like. <laughs> however he thinks a mop would sound in a, in a, in a Pixar. <laughs> mm, what illegal thing should be legal? <laughs> what legal thing should be absolutely illegal? Interesting. What do you think of that mop? He's kind of a mope, you know? Ah, and he's like, I guess I'll wipe the floor. It's like a Pixar like movie in the mop. Yeah. 
Yeah, a little snuffy. Yeah. But it's like it's like it's it's a Pixar movie where all your stuff in the house, not your toys, but like your couch and your yeah. a little Beauty and the Beast dish actually. Yes. All the stuff in your house becomes people. And I think the mop would kind right. of be like like the candle itself is like the French hole. Uh-huh. The mop would be very mop- mopey. I yeah. see that. That's good. That's, a, that's the direction I took the prompt in. I like that. I okay. Like that. Yeah. Uh, you get the part. What illegal thing should be legal? What legal thing should be illegal? The first thing that just came to my mind, because I was driving here and it just pisses me off about New York, is that you cannot turn right on red. I believe there are only two cities in North America where that is the rule. Dumbest rule. New York and Quebec City. Hmm. Dumbest rule. I read that on like a Trivial Pursuit card. Wow, in America. Interesting. The other one, it kind of deals with, with, with traffic stuff. I too. do agree, because you're sitting there and you're like... Come yeah. on. Nobody's coming. Why can't I turn? There should be like a common sense element to it. Yes. But I'm sure it's there because several people have gotten clipped uh, by a car and they're like, well, we have to make this a law now. Here's another thing that should be a law in New York. Every light should have a certain time where people can cross. Mm-hmm. If you cross when you don't have that little man flashing, you should get a ticket. Because these people, if they, I hit. Do they not get tickets now? No. No one gets tickets Nobody for gets tickets. They should. Because it's technically it's, a so, law. So here's what's interesting for people that do not live in New York. New York really has a three-way battle of transportation. There are drivers, yes. which is what sounds like Brian Westbrook mm-hmm. is. There are walkers, yep. which is what I am. And there are bike riders. I was hoping you were going to say the bike riders. David Ingber would say. Because, my God, the walkers in this city, you don't realize how bad they are until you're trying to bike in the bike lane. It's called yes. the bike lane. It is not an ambiguous right. title. Here's what's it interesting. It is the lane for bikes. Hear the anger in Ingber's voice. Bike is usually the mode of transportation given the least amount of respect. Oh, my God. Drivers can somewhat associate with walkers because all drivers are walkers, mm. but not all drivers are bike riders. Right. Everybody doesn't like bikers because they just seem to be in the way, but you guys are also going, hey, walkers, get the fuck out of our lane. Also, everyone hates bikers because we're so efficient. They're like, they're like, <laughs> man, I wish I was you. Just blitz. I would like to hear what the driver's perspective well, is. Well, the drivers get the least bikers. amount of respect because you can't, you can't hit anyone. It's because you have the best situation. Yeah, well, yeah. You're I'm in, in a, a car, bubble you of can't solitude. Do anything, and you, you have you, music. You're you hurt someone. But these walkers, they, they can do whatever the hell they want. All right, let's do. let's be the, the peace treaty right here. Drivers, we will stop doing that as long as when it's raining, you let us fucking go. Because there's nothing worse than being in the rain and the drivers trying to inch up. Let me fucking go in the rain. No. You're inside. Listen, I'm I'm Wow. You, you won't chose. even give me the rain. <laughs> you chose that. You, you chose to walk outside, outside in the rain. In the rain. That's just, that's a choice. You live in Find Brooklyn some scaffolding. Where there are parking spots. There's no parking spots ever. <laughs> not, at, not at 2 a.m. <laughs> Stand under that Brugger's bagels on it. Here's another thing. Here's another last one. And it's kind of the same thing. Uh, question for you as a walker. If I'm walking in the bike lane, but I'm walking in the direction in which you're coming at me and I move out of the way, is that okay? No. It's, it's, if I move out of the way. Here's the thing. I can't allow that to be a rule because no one. I no always, groups of people are smart enough to adhere to this rule. So many people are walking in the bike lane with the intention of getting out of the way, but bikes are pretty quiet, and next thing you know, we're right up so next to you. that is why when I'm walking down 20th, which is my favorite place, and I walk down the bike lane because both sides of the street are beautiful, I walk in the bike lane going the opposite direction. So you can see the bikes so coming? when I see the bikes are coming... I go to the sidewalk and then I go back. I don't like walking because I'm afraid one of you is going to ride up my back. Yeah, which I often do because I'm like, there's no room. I'm stuck. 
between a tall curb and a human being, and I've got just one bike's width to get around you. One thing that drives me crazy, though, if you're talking about like just walking down the bike, yeah, you personally can get out of the way. But if somebody sees you walking the bike lane and assumes it's legal, now three, four, five people are there. Now I have to weave my way through your group of dumb tourists. Luckily, you have wheels. I'm saying you should create. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good burn, but you know what I'm saying? It's like. We should all strive to create laws such that if everyone acted this way, would there be chaos? Right. And if everyone was walking in the bike lane and said, hey, you know what? I'll get out of the way. There would would, be chaos. Well, then I would like to say to your people, stop riding on the sidewalk if you're delivering things. That person should absolutely be ticketed. I have have, not associate me with the the sidewalk bike riders. I am not that guy. What's interesting is I've noticed this this evolution of the motorbike in New York. The delivery seamless guys that are not even pedaling, they're just zipping on the sidewalks and their mm-hmm. electric bikes. That is genuinely dangerous. And when I'm walking with my daughter, which is very often, and someone's skateboarding down the sidewalk mm. or biking down the sidewalk or uh, what's those, those birds, those little scooters yeah, that are motorized, yeah. I am terrified for I'll my daughter's life. I'll tell you this. I go to these police meetings, the neighborhood meetings, right? And so we were all, <laughs> everyone's complaining. You have the old ladies complaining. It's too noisy on Saturday nights and, and whatever. Are so, you part of the neighborhood watch? I'm, well, I go to the meetings. I'm not part of it, but I just go in the back and get a good laugh. That's out awesome. So I can go home and talk to my wife, right? <laughs> Sir, so, I salute you. One of the oh. things that when they were complaining about was the little motorbikes, the bicycles uh, that didn't have the motors on them. And so they're like, listen, these guys are riding up or down the street and it's illegal. It's, according to the law in New York, it's legal to have those bikes. And so the, the police guys were like, listen, we want to give them tickets too, but they deliver our food. And don't you want your food on time? Everybody was like, yeah, we want our food on time. Okay, we're going to allow the bikes to ride up and down with the motorbikes. And so that was that. They, you want your food on time? Yes. You want your delivery? Allow the bikes. One thing that I think is technically legal, that's not illegal, that what I like to be illegal, is walking and being on your phone. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds simple. Should be illegal. You know what? Let me refrain that, because that's too broad. You might need to do it for directions. I apologize. Walking upstairs and using your phone. Mm. Coming up from the subway, in the airport, if you're on your phone and you're walking upstairs, your body naturally goes at half speed. Yes. And you are creating a chain reaction. And I don't need that anymore. I think that should be illegal to be using stairs and to be on your phone. Are, are you a big, I mean, is that, is that a big thing for you? When, you're, when I'm coming up from the subway yeah. and I see that first guy using Twitter and going up the stairs and there's a log jam of people, yeah. I can't handle it. I also don't like the people that go up the left side of the stairs. And then when someone decides to come through halfway down, they create a middle log jam that throws off the entire staircase. This is this goes back to what I'm saying. If everyone acted this way, would there be chaos? Yeah, if we all agree that we go up on the right and back on the right, then there would not be chaos. That makes sense. Well, I don't know. Rule. I'm going to tell you this. Have you guys ever been to the game? You're going down to your seats. And there was someone standing there. You got to scoot to the other side and come back. That, that's part of that's part of the stair conduct code. We're all humans. There's all fluid. You know, there's there's conversations to be had. There's there's exceptions to the rule. Let's all be people. Let's all trust that there's not malice involved here. But <laughs> genuinely, generally, when there's a group of people, the larger the group of people, the less they have any idea what the hell they're doing. And that's when you need rules. Like right, thirty thousand people are going into a stadium. I know you have some. Of course. Uh, well, as <laughs> as <laughs> medical marijuana becomes more acceptable and then recreational marijuana becomes more acceptable, it's not about legal versus illegal. It's about a social acceptance thing where it's very acceptable to have like four or five glasses of wine at a fancy event, but it's not acceptable to like take out a vape pen and smoke weed. Mm. Right. 
And I'm saying that is the shift that over the next 20 years, legal or not, like, even if it's completely legal, that shift is going to take a lot of time to do. Where someone says, like, hey, I'm out. I'm, at, I'm having dinner. I would really like to uh, be a little bit inebriated in some way, shape, or form right now. Yes. Let's do it. I, you know what? To that, you should be allowed to vape in a movie theater. I'm sitting there in a chair. <laughs> and if people don't like the smoke, like, then make gummies legal or something. Yeah. There's a guy that vapes. Oh, I think, I, like, it, th- when I read this question, the first thing I thought was, weed should be legal and alcohol should be illegal. Like, that was the first thing I really? thought. Yeah. Yeah, just like, you drink alcohol, you fight. You, d- you smoke weed, we're yeah. relaxed. Which one is causing the issues? Here? There's a guy that sits in front of me at the Nets game, and he's, he vapes the entire game. They just saw him. This part, early part of the season, I'm watching him like, hey, he's vaping the whole game. They just saw him last week, this Saturday for the game, kicked him out. First time they ever did it. Because yep. he was causing a cloud of smoke around the yeah. people. And, that I mean, and he was people. obvious, too. He was just vaping. He, he didn't even care about the rules. But, yeah, um, so I, I, I agree with you there. I vaped on a plane one time. How did that go? And a coworker wanted to kill me. Ooh. Yeah, I just didn't realize you couldn't do it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big no-no. But I you didn't realize. I didn't know I couldn't do that. <laughs> Old Dave Chappelle. One more thing that's legal that should be illegal is uh, tucking a shirt into sweatpants or athletic shorts. That should be illegal. That should be like a, a, a three to six month jail sentence. Mm. <laughs> you know what I did? When you're, especially when I you're think, just lounging around the house. I think very athletic people do that. If you're, if you're playing basketball and you don't want your shirt like flipping around, yeah. I understand that. But like if you're just around the house, you open the door and the guy's wearing athletic shorts and a shirt tucked into those shorts, I should be able to call the cops on you. If you're wearing Nike shirts, oh, don't and you wear Adidas shoes, jail. jail. <laughs> you need to go into uh, this uh, is a like fashion a very, jail. This is a very popular online opinion, and it fucks me up because it's like, I don't have that many shorts. So when I go to the gym and I wear like a Nike short, and I'm like, people are going to judge me right now. Yes, they are. But it's so dumb. Under Armour shirt, golf polo. Adidas pants, Nike shoes, no, no. Don't do it. I believe that's a cultural thing. Is I it? really do. Because I think when I, like, black people like to match. Yes. They like to wear red shirts with red shoes. Uh-huh. White people don't do that. White people are like David Ingber. And they go, these are my favorite shoes. I wear them all the time. You want to see them? You, they're really cool. Do you, are they <laughs> Adidas? They yes. are. And, and, when, and I bet you when he ties them, he makes the white guy grunting noise. When white people tie their sho- <laughs> shoes, they go, hmm. <laughs> Get them nice and tight. They're the only race that makes that noise. They, 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 they well, white, white people love to tie. White people tie their shoes like at any moment they're gonna have to run away from you. <laughs> and white people don't. are like they got like their own style and right. it's like very loose. If they tie them, right? If are you auditioning for a 1980s HBO comedy <laughs> special? No. Was that a good bet? Oh. It was great. It was like yeah, the white guy does this, but the black guy does this. It's like oh my god, yeah, you fit right in. Uh, okay, if we're gonna say illegal, talking in the movie theater. Loudly. What do you think the appropriate ticket should be? Like a $500 fine? Uh, I think you should have to, it's like you should have to give everybody else in the theater a gift certificate for popcorn. Great. Love that. I think you should be able to, there should be a separate movie theater where you can talk in there. Because now (laughs) I can share ideas with people in the front and the back. Oh, that's a bad scene. They should have did it this way. You talk like that in a movie theater? No, I don't. But I mean, if I could, I This is great. That's actually better. So have a quiet car. Of course. Like a train has a quiet car. Yeah. And you want to hear talking, then you got to go to the quiet theater. Because there are sometimes there have been movies that I've been to where it was super loud and it was the most enjoyable thing. Like when yes, I saw Get yes, Out, yes. When I saw Get Out its first weekend and people were screaming and yes. yelling, "Oh my God!" This it was one of the most enjoyable right. movie experiences You're of right. my life. You're right. You're right. 
That is true. You got to be able to talk. It was funny. I, that happened to me at Get Out, too. <laughs> People were loud as shit, and it was great. Best movie theater experience of my life, Snakes on a Plane. People <laughs> were screaming. It was so funny. Really? Oh, oh one, of the be- one of the worst movies, but one of the best movie theater experiences of my life. People were I'm hitting beach balls. I'm shocked you went to the movie to see that. I was in college. What are you going to do, you know? One, one last thing in terms of illegal, legal. How do you guys stand on reclining on a plane and then standing up upon landing on a plane? I often stand up People in get my very emotional. I stand up in the aisle because I just need to stretch my legs. I'm a big believer in that like you should never sit for more than an hour and a half or two hours at a time. It's not good for your deep something thrombosis. I think deep vein thrombosis. What about what about going back on your chair? Uh, I think it's good to give uh, like sort of a Larry David nod to the person behind you, sort of like, this is cool. You know, you're not going to say anything, but like, I just, I'm just checking yeah. in as a... Like Ryan Holiday thinks it's a crime against humanity to sit back. Really? Because what you're doing is what you said earlier, it's you're creating chaos. Mm-hmm. You're creating this need for everybody to... Am I creating back. chaos or did the airline create chaos by clearly putting the seats way too close together? Right. No. So really don't blame me for that. I'm not just creating think, chaos. I, I think they should be able to recline, but not as much. Oh my God. So make talk to the seat maker. Oh, so then. you're a recliner. I think that you should be I able to recline. I have reclined on an airplane and, in a long time. And here's, here, this is my space, the front of my seat, and however far my seat reclines. This is all my space. So you're actually... I think it should be illegal to take your socks off on an airplane. Absolutely. Oh, That's yeah, a different yeah, yeah. discussion. I think, I think being barefoot at any time of the airplane process from the security line, like there's nothing that grosses me out more than old crusty toes wiggling them as he's waiting to go on to the security thing. <laughs> I'm just like, you knew during this process, yes. your shoes were coming off. Yes. Oh, you wore sandals mm-hmm. to a fucking airplane. <laughs> you sick fuck. That should be it illegal. Depends, it depends where you're going. We are sharing a cabin of pressurized air. <laughs> I want you and to you're have flicking the bunions. I want you Get to have that job for TSA, where you have to walk up to the people and be like, "Excuse me, sir, uh, we're going to need to cancel your flight. You're, I see you oh, in those bare feet. You're, you're off." You know how there's sometimes a person at like baggage check. The person because they now have this new thing where everyone gets their own slot where you put your bags the bin, and they pull yeah. them for the bin people. Yeah. Yes. Huh? They're getting angrier and angrier mm-hmm. because people don't follow bin rules. Those are angry they just people. they push them in there. I get along with the angry ones the best. Me at an airline check-in, I am the biggest rule follower ever, <laughs> and I'll sit there and these people that have been cursing out like people that are getting on an airplane will go. They'll they'll pull mine. And go. I got you. Like I always get along with the assholes. Yeah, airplanes get people upset. Maybe yeah, just me. I okay. think that I think it's wrong that the people in the back of the airplanes think that as soon as they hear that ding, they need to jump up, grab their bag, and hustle to the front. No as, if, as if they've never seen that log jam like, happen no. before. You know what? Your seat's in the back for a point, reason. You know when the person gets on there and goes, we do have some people with a tight connection that need to run forward, so please, I feel like they should get on there and go, the people with a tight connection are 3E, 50. Like, because what happens is everybody, everybody acts like they have a connection. fucking tight connection. I've been the tight connection. When I went to London, I missed that first flight mm. by two minutes. And the worst part is you get there and they go, sorry, the doors have closed. And all you want to do is say, the fucking plane is right Open there. the door, man. But you realize that they're just going to go, I can't do anything. This is literally fig- federal law. Yeah. It's above me. Oh. It's, it's above me. Okay, I have, well, there's one left. Yeah. What voice am I doing? I don't know. I got so many more rules that I want to make. Do you, well, give me no, 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 no. Don't. I, I can go all day. Go. Give me uh, an Adam Sandler. <laughs> What's the matter? <laughs> 
What's the Mount? I can't do it. What's the Mount Rushmore of game shows? What is the Mount Rushmore of game shows? Funny that we were literally just talking about the master, the master class of Jeopardy. Is Jeopardy in the Mount Rushmore of game shows? Oh, I think it is. Jeopardy is like my number one draft. That is a number one game. For me, it's it's had its moments in movies with White Man Can't Jump. Sure. Uh, it is generational. And Cheers. Yeah. One of the greatest Cheers episodes of all time. Never saw that one. Oh, my God. It is generational. It is... Is Wheel of Fortune on there? Not yes. for me, just because I didn't really watch it that much growing up. Wheel of Fortune's on there. Family Feud, absolutely. Family Feud on there. I had. Um, can I just say something really quick? My fiance last night, I was watching the Jeopardy, and I don't really watch Jeopardy like that, but I've had it on, and she goes, I'm more of a Wheel of Fortune person. Really? And I questioned everything. Hey. Oh, boy. Hey. <laughs> Did she listen to this podcast? No, but if we clip things out and it makes it on her timeline, she hears about it. <laughs> I don't judge her for it. I just, I... No, you you did judge her. I always think that Jeopardy! Wheel of Fortune is like Letterman and Leno. That's how I look at it. Like, people that like Jay Leno over Letterman, I'm like, mm. I go, I go, I get it. There are funny. He is a good comedian. But, like, Letterman was just a lot more deep in the weeds. And I'm really trying to be thoughtful because this is going to end up on her phone somehow. But it, I, I, I felt a little shook. Yeah. Weird. You know, the other one I like... Um, Family Feud, definitely up there. Family Feud. Family Feud, Jeopardy. Are the t- What's that one those, that you those had to buy? Price is Right. I had Price, Price is Right as my third one. Do you guys remember this Tic-Tac-Toe one? Remember, they they kind of redid it on uh, the, with the hip-hop stars. Okay, so it was, um, it was Squares. Hollywood, yes, Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares. That's a legendary one yes, for sure. Yes, I had an, an outside-the-box one as my fourth. Okay. Just because, I'll, I'll, I'll say what it is, and then I'll explain why. The newlywed game. Love that. Right? The reason why is because... We literally do that as like a concept for everything. Yes, because the format is just so strong. And it ends up like leading to parodies of it and versions of it. The the divorce game. together again in arguments on the way home. I had Jeopardy, Price is Right, Family Feud, Newlywed Game as my Mount Rushmore of, of, of game shows. I did the Newlywed Game with my homeboys and their fiance, significant others, wives. And you would think it would have gone well. Like for fun? For fun, we just hanging okay, yeah, out. Yeah. And, and oh, it, and you did it like married couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't go well. What's my favorite color? Go ask someone who's been married for ten years that, and they're like, um, pink. Yeah. No, it's purple. <laughs> what and what, well, how so, I so, see that going? Tell me bad. if I'm right. When you get it wrong, you never pay attention to me. When they get it wrong, you don't even know what your favorite color is. Yes. Well, what would me? You know and, what I mean? It's sure. always the guys. Yeah. yeah. Come me on. and my wife did. We we had already pre-planned it. So we set the whole evening up. You so we were, we were going to get it right. Piece of shit. We were going to win this game. We had a game night. And the game was, for us, we were going to win no matter what. So the Westbrooks were going to win the damn game night no matter what. So we already had the answers. So I already asked, what's your favorite color? Just in case. What was the MTV dating game show? Singled out. That show was incredible. Chris Hardwick and Carmen Electra. There was something about the fact that you'd be like, all right, blondes or brunettes? And you eliminate blondes and like they all walk by and they're all like, you're like, oh no, I eliminated you. I give you the save. Another game show that's a dating one, Next. Sure. Next. I've seen it. Be like three guys on a bus and a girl out there in a field. And then the guy would come down. He'd be like, my name's Zach and I love L.A. Light sneakers. And they give him like three bullet points. <laughs> it was like, owns a pet snake, loves crocheting. Favorite karaoke song is Sister Hazel. And then she'd be like, next. He'd be like, screw you. You got a big nose anyway. <laughs> like, great show. Uh, other game shows that I think can be mentioned. Cash Cab. 
I really enjoyed Great Cash Cab. Great format, too. I think Cash Cab improved New York City tourism because usually the process of getting a cab sucks. But I, the amount of people that would come to New York and be like, maybe this is the Cash Cab. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It's a television show. <laughs> Everything is done in advance. I think Cash Cab helped to put those TVs in the cab. Uh, it mm-hmm. would happen a couple years back, whenever it was. What about years. Fear Factor? That was definitely a part of the, like... Um, amazing race survivor. Do you consider them game shows? For sure. Okay. But I'm saying like that was a, a movement of television. It was absolutely yes. hugely impactful. I don't know if that's a game show. Fear Factor? Was it? They, did they win money there? There was a contest you, and a winner. Yeah, I think you won like 50 grand. I the believe the game show that people claim they watched and loved but didn't actually watch the most is Supermarket Sweep. I don't know if anyone actually watched Supermarket Sweep, but when you say it, they're like, oh, and they'd run through and get things. Uh, but I don't know anyone that's watched Supermarket Sweep from beginning to end. If you, if you didn't I've work never during the one. middle of the day and you were older, let's say you were yeah, older. Yeah, bullshit. First. I'm going Price is Right. Uh, like, that's right in the middle of the day. You're I'm watching all of them. Supermarket Sweep was one of those things where you're like, I don't know if Supermarket Sweep was ever on a major channel. Was it ever like a big show or was it like an yeah. offshoot? That show's not, sure. not been on for 40 years. It's been a long years. time. He could redo. <laughs> it's time to do it. Supermarket sweep with NFL players. That's not bad. Because they're going to have no idea where the fucking milk is. Are no. you kidding me? You guys are, you have, when you're in the NFL, you have no idea about anything in supermarkets. That's true. Would I mean, you agree? I, I barely know about supermarkets now and I've been out for 10 years. What about match game? I don't really know that. Isn't that similar to newlywed game? Wipeout. Wipeout, yeah. I would I'm say that's, not a, that's not a game show. Wipeout was more just like zany antics of like a foam hitting people. Video, yeah. So is American Ninja Warrior a game show? No. I don't know. I guess that's stretching it's a the game on a show. We're back to a hot is a hot dog a sandwich. <laughs> this is that that territory. Yeah, no. Okay, let me ask you, growing up, yeah. what was the show you wanted to be on the most? Jeopardy. I wanted to be on Teen Jeopardy. I wanted to be on Guts. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Got, got, got to have it. Guts. What's that show on Nickelodeon? Let's go to Mo. You get slime doing. Double uh, Dare. Double Dare. Double Dare. Double Dare was great. Was, on what was that? Dare. Was it Mark Summers? Yes. yes. And there was also uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple was Legend. another one that I wanted to be but on. But Mark Summers did uh, Double Dare. Oh, now he does like all the Food Network thing. Yeah. Have you ever wondered how mints were made? What would you do? Was the other what one would that you do? Mark Summers did. What? What? what, what? No, that's guts. What? What? What would you do? Did Carmen San Diego have a show? Yeah. That you could participate on. That yeah. was really good. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? I don't know if anybody's watching Power, but there was uh, <laughs> there was one character that she was a like a police chief of like this one force. It was the black lady with the awful wig, uh-huh. and I believe that she just watched the black lady from Carmen San Diego as her inspiration cool. because she was always like, "All right, gumshoes, it's time to find Carmen San Diego," and that's how the woman talked in Power. And I was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> All right, that was great. We did it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> we did it. Um, all right, let's play the music. I was going to say anything else to add, but this is typically the point of the show where you add that extra thing. A little piece of advice. Play that music. For David Ingmer. If you're not on a bike, stay out of the bike lane. Nice. For Brian Westbrook. The Rocket Man. And listen, <laughs> if you're on the bike, stay out of the way of the cars. Nice. And on the LEF car- Damn. And I'm the L-E-F-K-O-E man, and both of you get the fuck out of my way, because I'm walking it! I'll let you guys later.